Hello, and welcome to the Three Vice Men podcast. I'm James. I'm Dom. And I'm Matt. And together we're going on a verbal pilgrimage, taking in all things craft beer. From delicious dippers to dandelion saisons, we'll be looking at what breweries are doing well, and maybe not so well. We'll also be looking at what trends look set to take off this year, and what we're excited about, as well as delving into some of our beery stories. Most importantly though, we'll be sampling beers each episode, and giving our opinions on them, unfiltered by untapped hopefully. So join us as we journey into the world of craft beer, and whilst we may not have a new king to look for, we'll certainly be worshipping a lot of tasty beers along the way. So sit back, crack a beer, and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Three Vice Men podcast, now in its fourth week, a well-established podcast. I am joined as ever by Dom Lewis, and only 15 minutes late, it's Matt Waring. Good Hi, evening. Just How's it going? going well it's going well it's a nice week we're still in lockdown but the weather's nice so obviously we're drinking stouts what's first on the table uh i've gone for a oatmeal stout from the samuel smith or the old brewery tadcaster uh nice old english stout at five percent hopefully shouldn't be too too much of a big void but um i'm looking forward to it I've also gone on the oatmeal stout uh, train. I've got a hawk's head here, um, looking quite a nice, sitting there at four and a half percent, but should be robust and uh, and fairly thick. Don, what have you gone for? I've gone for every reason. This is a milk stout. It's a coffee milk stout actually by Left Handed Giants. Um, what I like about this is with the coffee, they've actually said what type of coffee it is. So it's an Ethiopian yoga chef and it's roasted by James Gourmet. It's quite a nice little touch. So I'm excited to get into this. Who's that can designed by? Uh, this can is designed by James Yao. He does all of the can artwork for Left Handed Giant. Um, he also has a little project coming out, I believe it's midday on Friday the 22nd, and it's just something he's done with some other um, artists that do different breweries artwork. So for example, Wonder Beyond, Vedant, they've all got together, done like 20 different artworks, and yes, to raise money for charity. So look out for that on the web shop. That sounds good. Definitely have to check that one out. Yeah. Matt, how's your first taste going? Um... My first take, well, my first impressions of the beer, it's uh, it's looking quite carbonated. Uh, actually, okay. looks more like a porter to me than a stout. And at five percent, potentially, it could be a porter. It says oatmeal spout stout on the bottle, but um, it's looking quite carbonated and it's got quite a sizable head. Um, so I'm going to dive in. Is that something you you'd normally just think, uh, you'd normally attribute to a porter? Then having a bit more head, a bit lighter. Is that where you draw yeah. the line? I'd probably say definitely um, in terms of, yeah, lightness. And also what it got for me was the carbonation. Uh, when I yeah. cracked the bottle, um, it was really bubbling up to the top. Uh, you don't normally get that with the stout. It's normally a bit flatter. Um, yeah. So for me, that's what kind of pushes more towards maybe a porter category. Also the percentage as well. Um, so, but it's tasting delicious, you know, dark uh, and rich, uh, malty. It's nice. Okay, and that's interesting. You you talk about uh, kind of a light percentage being more portery, whereas I think probably the most famous stout in the world, Guinness, is well a stout, and also at that kind of uh, that kind of volume. Yeah, I think I think the Irish dry stout, I believe, is what they categorise Guinness as, and there are a few like that, aren't there? They sit around the four five percent, 
Um, they're drinkable. There's like some flavor going on there, but they don't do anything crazy with it. It's def- definite rugby beers, but it's one of those where I've got to sort of be in the mood for. I'm not just going to, I'm not going to have it for its flavor profile. I'm going to have it as something a bit different to the regular things that are on at a bar, I suppose. Hmm. And how would you, what kind of percentage would you say the stance you drink? What's, you know, what, what's the proportion between you know, drinkable and the big impies? Um, to be honest, I I do I do get impressed when you get the lower percentage stouts that can still get the full flavour. Um, I don't want to be one of these people that I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you the only percentage of stout can be is twelve percent. Like I do enjoy those bigger stouts, but that's more because they manage to thicken up the flavour. You get that full mouth feel going on. When it's hovering around five six percent, you don't maybe get it as much. I think over six percent is probably prime volume for a stout. To be honest, there are some exceptions like. Deeper Water, I know, by Left-Handed Giant. That's definitely one where they get so much flavour into it. It tends to be milk stouts, I seem to find, that manage to round it out at the lower end of the spectrum. Yeah, there's definitely something to do with your malt profile as well. I think one of the reasons that an oatmeal stout goes down well is is that thickness that you get from the oats. Obviously a lot more expensive than your traditional malt, which is why you don't see it as much, especially in something that's trying to be commercially viable. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point jumping into the commercial viability of stouts because they're maybe not as sexy as some beers that you do get on the market. It seems they're definitely a beer, maybe like the sours we mentioned last week, that they're definitely aimed towards a cra- not necessarily a craft beer drinker, but someone who's got a bit more of an experienced palate, a bit more diverse palate, like a bit more diverse interests in their beer as opposed to the random guy off the street, because I think it would be very rare for someone's first foray into craft beer to be a stout. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, um, if you were trying to convert somebody uh, to being a craft beer drinker, I, I, I don't think stout would kind of be a gateway beer for them, um, especially just with the percentage, I think, would, would put a lot of people off. Uh, it's something you have to kind of, I suppose, warm to a bit. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it would be the like um the first or second beer that a craft beer drinker would go for i think it has to be like a, an ipa or maybe even a lager first i remember being very surprised when i first downloaded untapped because obviously the first thing you do is you go on top beers and see oh is cronenberg going to be up there um and then when it wasn't up there you saw that the top ones were dominated by stouts and i was very surprised yeah. because when i first obviously started i hadn't drunk that many stouts and the ones that i had didn't really blow me away whereas now i'm a couple years further down that line and some of my favorite beers to drink are the big impy stout so you can completely understand it yeah i think the more adjuncts you start to add the the further away you take it from the layman's tongue and the layman's sort of taste palette and what they're used to i i know you know quite a lot of people that you know you say, oh, yeah, there's loads of coffee in this, loads of chocolate. You've got some some barrel flavors in there. You know, really complex character. And you get this. Well, you know, I quite like the idea of a complex flavor, but I don't like coffee. And, and that's yeah. somewhere I started out. I didn't drink coffee when I first started drinking stouts, and then they managed to convert me towards drinking coffee. But do you think the adjunct the adjunct game has maybe gone too far? I think it's. It's approaching that. I love the adjuncts game because it's it's so it's so fun. You just walk into a beer shop and you see all these beers on the on the shelf, and it's like Reese's Pieces, 
deep fried Mars bar, like raspberry white chocolate. You've just got all these flavors. It's like a candy shop. You just, how, how have they managed to do this in a bit? Like it's amazing yeah. to see what they come up with. But then also, as I love Omnipolo. I'm sure we're going to go on and praise them in this episode. But sometimes you read the names of their beers and it's like bourbon, barrel, maple, bacon, peanut butter, rum, vanilla, yeah. lactose, sugar, stout. And at that point, I'm like, well, you're not going to get those individual flavor profiles. Yeah, it's going to no. be coming delicious. But if you chuck loads of delicious shit together, no shit, the outcome's going to be really good. Like, regardless, it kind of, I feel like it takes away from the beer a little bit. It's almost like you can hide mistakes just by chucking yeah. more of it's those like ingredients it, in. It kind of almost like beer, goes beyond beer. Like some of the things they do... Um, like you said, we've got like six or seven things in the title and you like, is this even a beer anymore? Or is this just a, like a mishmash of, is, of just marshmallows, chocolate, um, pecans, maple, bacon, egg, whatever they want to chuck in. Sometimes it's more like a breakfast than a beer, but um, it's, I think sometimes they do go beyond maybe too far with the adjuncts. Yeah. Yeah, there's a guy having a Twix while they're brewing and one of the fingers slipped in. That's in the title. <laughs> exactly. Like, they, they, someone made a hot chocolate around the corner and they yeah, like, exactly. it. I'm like, yep, stick it in. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Somebody was eating some cornflakes while they were brewing or something like that. Stick that in on the title. Yeah. The next door was on fire, so the smokiness came through. <laughs> yeah. It is at the rather pretentious end of beer, and beer can yeah. be a very pretentious game. I think what's also a bit not bad about the heavy adjuncts but the fact that people turn towards them obviously just out of intrigue more than anything a lot of the time but with people turning towards that it does kind of shut the door on some of these smaller breweries because it makes it almost impossible for them to afford to be able to brew a beer like that and then when they do maybe just a really good coffee and chocolate that's going to be knocked out the park by like a coffee chocolate vanilla and toffee but because those big breweries can put that much more money into it because like when you think about how much vanilla pods and things like this cost and they mm. just put so much into it like hundreds of kilos into a brew it's there's no way that the little guys can afford to keep up with that well and you have to th say that that because they have the confidence that it's going to sell especially if you're barrel aging something if you're spending however many thousands on on the just the raw ingredients for a brew on, on your you know, on your balance sheet, that that's written off yeah. for eighteen months, twelve months until it's ready to bottle, and you can have your big release and you can cash it in. That's a lot of money to splash out as a startup, yeah. As, as a new microbrewer, when you think you could have you know, an IPA brewed and out of tank in in under a month. I think that is why you'll see some of them start with the more traditional flavor combinations, like they might go with a fruited stout like a dark fruited stout and yeah like i say the coffee and things they'll start off with these ones and then if those go down well they might get the encouragement and the funds to then spread out and venture into something new there is one other problem that i think or i sometimes have with, with a heavily adjuncted very large impy stout and that is drinkability um don't get me wrong if it's a sampler i'll try anything and a lot of the time i'll love it i know when we were at uh Waters friends and family in february this year uh there were so many massive stouts we tried 
we were very lucky with a lot of those because i tried too many of those but that was all right in a taster Mm. it's it's very hard to convince me to get a 440 or or a magnum of one of these bad boys Uh, it's it's almost like uh you think to yourself yeah is when am i going to drink all that you know like when is it when am i going to sit down and actually you know drink all that like you said in a taster it's delicious but um also sometimes when you're throwing so many adjuncts in that and the if the style's very syrupy and very sweet mm-hmm. um you, you sometimes maybe get about halfway through the can you're thinking that's that's probably enough for me um yeah. so although okay. i think we, you probably could look at friends and family and say that is the probably prime in the uk top trunk festival beer lineup yeah everyone's there the big boys are coming over from the states and from europe they are going to try and one-up each other and go big you do have to bring your best beers to it don't you yeah but uh, we did get very lucky yeah i mean i'm just as much of a sucker for the adjuncts as anyone else because last night i bought the finback banana drip which is a peanut butter and banana impeached out that's like 12 and a half percent and my first thought wasn't who am I going to split this with? My first thought was, this is going to be bloody delicious. So I'm sure I will do my best to get through it in one sitting. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) So we have tried a lot of these big beers and there's a lot of outrageous flavour combinations that we found. I know, Dom, you've already mentioned Om Apollo in this episode and I've shouted and out and dropped the fact that we went to friends and family where there was a lot of big stouts there who do you guys think are doing some of the best stuff in the game right now for me like america obviously from friends and family i'd actually never i don't think i've ever had a three chiefs beer before three first beer i think phenomenal first beer i had from them i think was rat race which was tasty and went back again as well Maple Faha blew me away. Maple Faha was phenomenal. That was so good. Even just their regular Faha. To be able to drink that was so crazy. And then the other half Magnum that was poured as well. That was like classic, very similar to what Omnipola were doing. It was like cookie, peanut butter. Peanut butter, they'd love it, obviously, in America because it's just a very American thing. But it was like that cookie, chocolate chip, all in this beer with like banana yeah. and shit thrown in it. That was phenomenal too. That one for me really stood out because I was yeah quite stout drunk at the time, but I could still really distinguish all of those flavors in that. I it, and it wasn't oh yeah I'm getting a getting a little hint of uh, yeah, a little bit of hint of chocolate there. No, it was full frontal. It was like here's banana. Fuck. Here's chocolate chips. Fuck. Here's some cookie. Ah, like it all just hit you at once. Like it was great. And that was uh, that, that is here's some cookie. <laughs> 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 we we've all been there. We've all been there. Oh dear. Yeah, the it was um the the, the magnum yeah was it was absolutely incredible. Uh 14.4% uh, was the were, was the average on it um, was the ABV sorry and uh, it was massive but you know the bigger the percentage they say uh, and they prove is is the more flavour you can get in the more fun you can have with it but yeah. Uh, yeah it was one massive beer 
I think that beer also is sort of the spectacle of it because getting other half in this country is nigh on impossible. And then mm-hmm. we, and then they bought this big magnum out of a beer that we're never going to be able to purchase pretty much. So yep. to be able to experience that around you guys and like other craft beer drinkers, it was just, it was just a great experience. <clears throat> crazy, crazy times. So magnums, we've had a great time with them at the festival. Is it something you'd ever buy of a big beer? No, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think it's something that has a place in in a home sort of thing. It's like, it's a show pony, isn't it? It's it's nice to bring out. It's everyone enjoys it. Everyone enjoys the spectacle of it. The beer is going to be delicious. They're going to back it. But realistically, what I like about the beers that I have here, they're beers that I can enjoy on my own or I can share with friends. There's that option. Yeah. Whereas when it's a Magnum, there's no way I'm going to sit here on a Friday evening and go, fuck it. Break out the Magnum, litre and a yeah. half of 15% yeah. impy stout later. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing that. And that, I think, no. is probably is one problem when you go for these big stouts. It's not like it's a family thing and everyone's going to sit down and have a glass of wine over dinner. You can't break it out at Christmas. There might be two or three of you. All right, there's three of you, half a litre each. Yeah, exactly. Even then, exactly. Yeah. It's like I'm just going to sit down with my pint of impy stout whilst I enjoy this turkey. It's just, it's not going to happen, is it? So, where friends and family was the like ideal place to bring it out when everyone is is a bit drunk, everyone's having a good time. Suddenly, you bring out a beer that you've been barrel aging for however many months, twelve months, eighteen months, twenty four months. Um, some like you said before, Dom, a beer that we're never going to be able to get. And you're just pouring, and because it's a magnum, you can pour a little bit There's into a lot of people's glasses. Around. So exactly, and a lot of people are going to enjoy it, and together, and in the community, are going to go, "Wow, what a fantastic beer!" Hmm. I do love about the barrel aging. This was another thing that in the Manchester weekend, I think we all we all appreciated barrel aging just through drinking the beers. But I think one of the moments that made us all sit up and realise, okay, that is actually different flavor prof- profiles is when we were in the knot, which is the Wonder Beyond taproom. We, we'll come back to Wonder Beyond because I want to touch on their stouts in general because they're fantastic. But yeah. we had, I think it was Brewery Keys. Yeah. They, yeah. So the Caramel Dutch, Fudge Stout. Yeah, Caramel Fudge Stout, the Dutch brewery. And they done, they had, so they had the regular version on tap and then three different barrel age versions. They had a Pedro Jimenez barrel, a Cognac barrel, a moonshine, like moonshine alcohol barrel, and then also a rum barrel as well. Sorry, so I was wrong. Um, and it was, we had them side by side, and you were able to taste the characteristics of each one. Yeah. It, and and that, it, it was actually so interesting to have basically, the, obviously, the same beer, but slightly different four times, and you saw the impact that these different barrels had on it, and it was really interesting. Yeah. It wasn't a small impact. They they were genuinely. <laughs> if if I if you hadn't told me that they had come from the set, if they were the same beer, I probably wouldn't have picked it out. I'd say, well, you know, I think I prefer that one to that one. But mm. yeah, like the yeah, who's Ped- made each of them. The Pedro Jimenez barrel had the what like berry flavors to it because I think that's a sherry barrel. Um, so it had like those fruited flavors to it, and then he had the cognac barrel, which was like a lot smoother it didn't have as much of like a burn on the back um mm. and then the moonshine just had like that deep oaky richness to it and 
yeah, it was a really interesting experience. Which one was your, your favourite barrel? Cognac, I think. Uh, I actually think mine was cognac as well. Yeah, I, I think between us at the table, we seem to consensus. Curtis, what are yeah. yours? Yeah, I, I think... Um... I, I I think I went with cognac as well. Yeah. It was, if I, uh, looking back at it untapped now, I think I went with uh, cognac, moonshine, Pedro Jimenez, uh, and then the rum barrel at the end. Which may be a bit of a surprise because I do like my rum. Uh, Innocent Gun, Great B, get from a supermarket that's in a rum barrel. Yeah. But uh, I guess you've got to, it's horses for courses. I think what's really interesting about that whole experiment, let's say, is how how many times have we seen a cognac barreled beer? Like, I don't think I'd seen it before then. No. Like, rum barrel, you see. Um, whiskey barrel all you the see time. Whiskey barrels, yeah. Um, like, so even tequila wine. barrels as well. Yeah, red wine sometimes, but not so much. You, you see them a little bit more in sours, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's like red yeah. wine barrels, yeah. That sort of Whereas thing. like, um, yeah, cognac, I don't think I'd ever seen it before. I'd never seen moonshine before either. No. Moonshine was strange, or, or not strange, it was a strange choice of barrel, shall I say. Mm. Because it's, it's very specific. Moon, yeah, moonshine's sort of something you um, would attribute to America. So you think it would come from an American brewery. So for it to come from a Dutch one is quite different. Yeah, that, that, that is true. Although, it, yeah. Moonshine bourbon, it, it's kind of whiskey, isn't it? You, yeah. You, 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 it's the same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose it's the same as taking, like, a, what's it, an Islay barrel or, like, a yes, barrel yeah. from one of the Scottish Highlands. I don't know enough it, about whiskey to jump into that territory, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Where they each, they're all named by the place sort of thing. It's like taking one of those. Yeah. Make sure to check out our Three Peaty Men podcast as well. <laughs> coming soon in about 30 yeah, years <laughs> we'll age out of beer I think it's time oh no we've still got a little bit of beer but we'll take a break and we'll be back with beer number two and some more interesting discussion welcome back to part two of the three vice and men podcast this week is of course stout week and it is time for beer two Dom and Matt are still with me but lads what are you drinking um, so I've not got as exciting a beer this time, I won't lie to you, but I'm going to say not as exciting, but this, this gives kudos to where craft beer has come. So I'm drinking Roaster Coaster, which is a Brewdog vs. Evil Twin sort of collaboration. It's a Nitro Imperial Vietnamese coffee stout, and I picked it up in my local Tesco. And for a 9% beer that's done with these two big breweries to be available in Tesco, I think goes to show how seriously craft beer is being taken now. And to be honest, I've had it before, and it's a bloody good bit. So, cheers. Can't say fairer than that. <laughs> Matt, what have you got in the can? I've got, uh, from Left Handed Giant, and a collab with Udgi Brewing Company from the Netherlands, um, King of the Woodland, uh, which is a imperial stout with pistachio and honeycomb, coming in at 12.5%. When I crack the can... I got a really nice marzipan kind of smell. Uh, got the pistachio. Um, it, it's looking great and it's smelling very delicious. That's definitely one of my favourites from Left Handed Giant. What was the name of the brewery they're collabing with again, Matt? Uh, Ulit G 
Brewing Company. <laughs> I'm, I'm that's actually the, that's the official Dutch pronunciation there. I'm actually very jealous <laughs> of this one. I think I, so. When this came out, I because it's the double version of Woodland Creatures, which is the pistachio and honeycomb that's phenomenal. And when this came out, I placed a left-handed giant order two days before, and I was like, in my mind, I just could not justify spending again. So fuck you, but I hope it's delicious. Yeah, yeah, shout out to the Warwick Real Ale for just stocking it. That was really random, but amazing. Thank you. Curtis, uh, what are you got, on this time? I've got an exciting, exciting beer from Northern Monk, um, part of the Patrons Project. Uh, it is the Deep Fried Caramel Chocolate Bar Stout. Uh, and with a picture of Edinburgh, or a, a drawing of Edinburgh on the front of the can, I think it's safe to assume that it is a Deep Fried Mars Bar. I think Northern Monk is probably one of the more underrated stout brewers in the UK. Um, uh, every stout I've had from them has been really, really good. So, And that's a reflection on Northern Monk in general. They do tend to knock out of the park most of their beers. They, I don't, I can't think of a bad beer I've had from them. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure what they're good at. Like, I'm not sure what they would say. Well, <laughs> yeah, brewing. <laughs> but as in, I'm not sure what sort of brewery they would say they are. Because, like, when you look I know at you mean. Bird and maybe Emperor's Brewery, um, they've all got their little niches. But um, Northern Monk, they kind well, of like, they're like, yeah, we'll just fucking smash everything. That's what we do. So, yeah. Jack yeah, of all trades, but also master of all of them. Yeah, yeah. literally. On the nose of this, that is, is very caramel. I do get quite a Mars bar uh, scent. Before I go into it, I'm going to be really interested if they get that. I don't know what we describe it in a Mars bar, but that is it like a nougat? The, yeah, the caramel nougat sort of thing. Yeah. If they can get that in texture, I'm sold. I'm going to be interested to see because you said it was what, 6. 6.5 yeah I'm going to be interested to see if they can get the mouthfeel because I feel like with deep fried Mars bar it's got to be quite a rich combination so that is rich um, I don't think I get any batter probably for the best yeah well it's beer batter so you've got the beer technically that's a tick in the box yeah I mean we're at least 50% <laughs> away there <laughs> However, we're doing. I can assure everyone listening at home, although we are a little bit drunker this second half, we haven't had a beer in between. This is actually beer two. It is for <laughs> Thursday. Beer Numero Dos. Back to uh, breweries in the UK. We've touched on a lot of the American ones and the big sort of stamps they're throwing out. Uh, I'd be interested to hear who you think in the UK is doing big stuff with stouts. Um, I think one that's sort of more similar to the style of stouts that are being banged out in America um, is Wonder Beyond, maybe. They do some stouts that are just full of adjuncts, super rich, and they're just really easy to drink. Um, I've got a couple here at the moment, but I think they're, they have a maple breakfast stout, I think it is. I can't remember the name of it offhand. Uh, it's about 11 12%, but that's a fantastic beer. You just get loads of maple on it. Um, super easy to drink, but it's still got like the massively stouty characteristics. Like, it's one of the ones that has the adjuncts, but it doesn't overpower or take away from what a stout should be. Like, I really enjoy it. Hmm. Matt? Um, for, for me, uh, when we were in um, London last year, 
and we went to McKellar's tap room and we had Moon Dust by Neon Raptor. Um, it absolutely blew me away. Uh, before then, I knew Neon Raptor for banging out like New England IPAs, um, pale ales, and like they, they were good, they're good beers, but I didn't really know them that they're in the stout game. Uh, had that beer and it was one of the best stouts I've ever had. Um, it was like loads of vanilla. Uh, it was just incredible vanilla and chocolate. It was it was so good. Uh, and then so I looked on and tapped at how their other stouts have gone, and they always rate really high. Like I'm talking about 4.4s, 4.5s. My one of them's 4.5, and then just really consistently great stouts. Yeah, I, I remember that day when we had that uh, moon dust. Uh, we were all taking turns to buy the round. Then when we got to McKellar, it was my dad's round. So shout out to Titty Tim if you're listening. And we all got to the bar and he was like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I think pretty much everyone just picked the, uh, everyone picked moon dust. And then well, moon dust we'd, we'd ran out. Early. We'd gone earlier, haven't we? We'd yeah, gone, we committed. To... We'd ordered, so the first one had been poured and everyone had a bit of a sip and went, Oh yeah, no, I love that. That is that delicious. Well. Yeah, yeah. Please, yeah, and then I think that kicked, but there was a different neon raptor impy style on at the same time. So everyone else just got that, and then he went to pay, and it was over contactless. So that was a, <laughs> that, was, that was a sad moment for a round of thirds. But big thanks to Tim for that. Big thanks, big thanks to Tim. Forever grateful for that. Yeah. Also, while we're in the shout out game, had a shout out from the Warwickshire Police, so uh, big shout out to Sergeant Blodgington. Uh, his favourite beer is um, Bloody Hell uh, by Beaver Town. Interesting choice. So Curtis, what would you say your favourite um, stout brewery is in the UK? I'm going to go on a limb here. I don't, They're not potentially my favourite stout brewery but I think someone who's doing a lot of good things uh, and getting them to places is Tiny Rebel uh, mm-hmm. Controversial but Maybe I, not I like stout it. as I think they call it a porter but the Stay Puffed series Yeah. I mean they've added some adjuncts they've gone every which way there's been Irish cream, there's been Marshmallow. Oreo I think that, that, there's... Uh, Imperial Stay yeah. Puffed like, well, yeah. The Imperial Stay Puffed is is there a salted and, caramel one? Yeah, salted caramel. Yes, amplified. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had quite a few of them. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, once you get used to that, yeah, that there is some marshmallow there, which I don't think anyone else really does. You go, oh, that's quite, that is that is very nice. And if I'd had that without their name on it, I'd also be very impressed, which I yeah. think is always a good sign. This is definitely yeah. sort of, it definitely falls into the category where you do see Tiny Rebel and you put a lid on your rating almost. You're like, well, it's super easy oh, to get. 1,000%. They're a relatively big brewery. It's, it's like this Brewdog one, to be honest. Like, It's delicious, but if it wasn't done by Brewdog, I'd probably think even more of it when it's Brewdog. Mm. I mean, it's sort of almost a credit to them. It's like you expect a certain level from them. So yeah. for them to go above that, they have to do something spectacular, whereas other breweries maybe don't have to reach that as much. But I think that's something we touched on before, so I don't want to dwell on it too much. But yeah, it's it's nice that you've said Tiny Rebel because it is it's a brewery that, although given their size, they do sort of go under the radar because you don't see them yeah. as much in, you don't see them as much in supermarkets. You don't see them that much in craft beer. Or the smaller craft beer tap rooms and things. You don't you don't tend to see them in that area. So 
is yeah big up tiny rebel no i've got a lot of time for tiny rebel uh and that is interesting actually that they i don't think they have anything in supermarkets no and i'm not i'm not no sure i don't think they do either oh. they are probably at the scale where they could i think it's the portman group that has something to do with like the advertising and the can designs and things so they're basically like a food and drink regulator and if okay. there's a can that may be deemed too childish or something mm. if it can be if people okay. can look at it and not instantly recognize that it's beer i think they take an issue with it and yeah. i could oh. be wrong but i think tiny rebel might have had an issue with like their club tropicana cans because when you looked at the design of those, it would be very easy to think it was a soda. Drygate have yeah. the same, the ones that do disco forklift truck. Yeah, um, yeah, they, yeah, that, those, they the had to change place. that. And I think they had the same thing. So that might be where the issues come with Tiny Rebel, which is why we perhaps don't see it. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's a good point. That, especially in, the, in a 3.30 form. Because yes. I definitely, yeah. had, I think I was in a Sainsbury's at a self-checkout with a disco forklift. Um, and obviously it scans up asking for um, store approval for alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and the woman came over and sort of looked at the four things I was buying and looked at me. I said, what, why do I... What's, what's the... What do I, yeah, what's the problem? Do I was authorised. Yeah. Was that, oh, yeah. that was a beer. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Which, which is that crazy. orange can's a beer. It's crazy yeah. because then I've bought rice wine vinegar and bean ID'd. So it is one of those things where there's just like no rhyme or reason between it. Yeah, I was so baffled. Exactly. But I was like, I've literally bought 200 mil. I'm not going to neck it here. I'm going to go home and cook some Japanese food. Like, where's the issue? Uh, The issue is you you tried to buy that and you live in Swansea. Yeah, that that is true. (laughs) Shout out Swansea. Big up Swansea. Big Big up up. Swansea. All of the big ups going up today. No, that's a, that's a really interesting point and something we probably will have to look into in future and be able to come back to it with a bit more knowledge on the subject. I think it's one of those things where you obviously want can artwork that makes you stand out. And I think that's probably why a lot of craft breweries are treading that line between sodas and alcohol. Because when you look at Beaver Town, super colourful, super colourful can designs. Lervig, they used to have super colourful ones, but they've almost toned their artwork back a bit and shifted to bigger cans. And I don't know if that's something that they've taken into account, the way some of the regulators might look at it. So yeah, it's interesting. But like like you say, we need to we need to do more research into it because this is sheer speculation that we think is based on truths at this point. But while we are speculating, it's interesting in looking at can design and how much people are trying to attract you to pick it off of the uh, pick it up off the shelf. How much market research goes on with some of the bigger breweries of what can design works? I mean, Brewdog have gone through a, a, a redesign recently. You have to think that that's been focus tested and focus grouped, and they've got some consultants yeah. in and they've done it seriously because. You know, a two percent difference of Brewdog is is a big number. It's very interesting with that Brewdog rebrand because I know when I first saw it, I absolutely hated it, and a lot of people on the forum felt exactly the same. This is the Equity for Punks forum. I'm very sad, and I just have a little look at it from time to time, that time to times a few times a day, and like it was quite <laughs> a negative reaction overall. But then now people have actually seen it out and about. People are really like buying into it. So 
it just goes to show that the people that get the big bucks for the marketing do actually know what they're talking about, shockingly. Yeah, yeah, it's weird how that works, isn't it? <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting with the, uh, with the BrewDog rebrand as well, that you could then suddenly see age just by looking at stuff. So going mm. down a Tesco aisle um, and seeing what, you know, what proportion of their stuff was the new logo, which stuff was the old logo, or not logo, but can design. Yeah, it, it... how quickly their stock turned over and quite eye-opening really that you'd see that uh, can on the shelf that's been there but it was been there for at least a month it was also reassuring in a way because they did manage to roll the design out quite quickly which shows that although some sit there they are still sending that stock so they are still trying their best to keep it fresh for the supermarkets hmm. I know I've spoken to them, uh, I think it was at the London Craft Beer Festival in 2018 where I got this glass um, <laughs> and they had a tasting. Now, that wasn't, it wasn't a link to the glass, it just had to work YouTube, out that way. Our YouTube big, watchers. Pick up the YouTube watchers. Pick up our YouTube like watchers. Like and subscribe, hit the bell icon for <laughs> notifications. Um, but they had a tasting there where they'd aged them in different ways and they had four cans of punk that they'd done three of them they'd done stuff with and one was fresh and it's something probably worth talking about at a later date uh, but they were really really driving home how much they're trying to get quality into the supply chain or the mm. in debt into their clients and who they're selling to commercially and yeah don't order two two bot two crates this week just order one and get it next week as well yeah i, th I think you've got to put I think when you're trying to push a product such as that, you have to put the effort into making sure that it tastes good because it's like a premium product. So if you don't put the effort into ensuring that it's kept at a good temperature and things like there's no point, you might as well just like send six months old one out and you're going to yeah. lose what you're going for. You're going to lose that customer. And that is one of the problems when you get to the supermarket, you lose that end control and supermarkets mm -hmm. will, that they'll demand, you know, they'll demand probably more control than, well, definitely more control than your local bottle shop. And yeah. they'll say, you know, we need it this by this date. It needs to be in our warehouse. We need to be able to move it through our distribution centers and to our different stores. And suddenly where you would brew it, send it out, and, you know, someone could buy it from the bottle shop in a few days' time. Uh, they're very efficient and probably the most efficient logistics chains in the country, but it's still not instant. And then you've got someone to stock it and somewhere... Someone else say that there is that drop off potentially on quality. Yeah, and yeah. Like you, you, you don't think you know you're not going to go into a Tesco's and pick up a punk IPA that's that was canned three days ago. No, you, you're never going to get that. Whereas um, I suppose if you go into uh, a bottle shop, uh, you could pick up like a maybe a smaller brewery, and you've got potential to to pick up a can that was canned three or four days ago. Um, or even if you just buy direct from a smaller brewery, but, um, yeah, supermarkets, it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult place, um, yeah. to get your beer into. Obviously it makes you a lot of money, but also there's a lot of, a lot of different things you need to think about and your beer isn't going to be as fresh. So and you're probably not going to get the margin either. Supermarkets, you know, big buyers, they're going to demand it at a certain price so they oh. can make their margin. Whilst we're talking about um, beer distribution and maybe some of these smaller breweries not being able to get into supermarkets, I think between us recently, we um, we purchased a box set from Harbour Brewing. Are they based yeah. in Cornwall, I believe it is? 
And Curtis, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that order? Uh, well, I'll um, I'll have to look up the details of the beers that are in there because they're currently sitting in my garage. Uh, I believe it was uh, we ordered it. Uh, was it a Monday night? Yeah, I think it must have been. It, it was a it was a late night rogue link into the chat. We uh, uh, we came to a collective that we we were very interested. Um, and with that interest came a purchase, and I believe it was by Wednesday morning they were in the garage, which is very so impressive. impressive. Like I I, I really like it, it's it's impressive that I've ordered a lot of things or we've ordered a lot of things in this flat, and it seems to be that the craft breweries are the ones that are still able to actually get things out on time, and I think that's a credit to the craft almost in the fact that they they care about their products so much that they want to make sure it's in its best condition when it gets to the customer. Like it's rare that you'll get a day or order that takes more than three days to get to you maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Whereas, you order a day on a Tuesday, yeah, it's going to be with you by Thursday. Exactly. Whereas some of these big companies like Abbey order from H&M, it's taken like three weeks to get it. They don't give a shit. So you know, exactly the same thing happened with Fion. She ordered from H&M two weeks they actually actually send an email saying we have we have got your order it is on the way to you we just we're just experiencing delays and it was weeks exactly and it, it that's that's when that's when i think i feel more um connected to the product when it's yeah. nice it's nice to actually feel that they care about what i'm having as well as opposed to just me mm. buying it like they actually want me to enjoy it so yeah it was the radius project from harbour brewing uh well not just from Harbour Brewing, the order was from Harbour, uh, but it's obviously a collaboration project with lots of different breweries, uh, all of whom have made a beer with ingredients from within a, a I believe it's a 20 mile radius. Yeah, I think it's brewery. something like that. I, I love concepts like that. It's it's like, it's a really unique spin on it because they get, they do loads of things like collaborations mm. and things, but it's nice getting something that's sustainable like this. Mm. Uh, so that'll be interesting to try. Make sure you're uh, subscribed or however you get updates to follow these because I'm sure we will have comments when we eventually get around to trying them in person with each other. Uh, uh, going back to Daya, uh, and I know Dom mentioned that they will be uh, del- they del- very efficient with their delivery. Friday's order. Tomorrow is looking good, isn't it? What have we got? We've got their saturated and citra rebrew, and first yeah. of all, that's phenomenal. Um, I remember the first saturated I had in the series was the Simcoe one, I think. I think we all had it together in the Glam Bryden, and it was just shout, shout out to the house, <laughs> shout out to Glam Bryden. Um, that was where that was where Matt started his craft beer adventure. Yeah, that's where I started, that's where it all started from, and um, I've just got you two to be thankful for for starting this journey for me. You are, thanks, man. And yeah, that that was delicious. And then I think they've got something good five, and they're focusing on. I know I remember Strata Hop standing out. Strata Hop is what they're focusing on, yeah. Idaho, I think. Yeah, um, but it's just the Strata that's a big pull for me. That's going to be delicious. I still have my um, Northern Monk Strata Hop focus to drink, so it would be nice to do like a side by side. That so, will be exciting. And yeah. See, uh, last last week or was it Tuesday or Monday? Uh, Tuesday sunshine came out. Yes, the sunshine, sunshine that I thought was just a rebrew of the other half lap, but Ooh. 
in fact, it's just a spin on the a spin on the recipe, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I had one of those yesterday uh, in celebration of a of a little achievement of mine, and that was yeah, it was fantastic. Out in the sun or in the near sun because it was the evening, but that yeah, really did really did his stuff, and uh, unlucky Don for not getting any. So, you know, sometimes you bite the bar, sometimes the bar bites you. You don't pay your money, you don't take your choice. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? He lives in Wales. Stouts, summer drink, all year round drink. It's got to be a winter drink, isn't it? I think so. I think it definitely used to be. I think with what they're adding into it now, it's moving more into an all year round drink. But definitely your traditional, because I think when you look at winter, you look at your dark ales, you look at your winter ales, they're all based off that like super roasted, super malted. And the flavor profiles you get in those are ones that just make you feel cozy. Yeah. And I've got a cloud water stout in the way. It's with like cinnamon in. And cinnamon, when you think of Christmas, Christmas, the yeah. smell, cinnamon, nutmeg, those are just what you associate with it. So it makes sense to drink it then. But I think... They're starting to move towards a few lighter stouts almost. Yeah. Um, with the marshmallow that we mentioned earlier from Tiny Rebel, they don't feel as heavy. And Sitting I think that campfire where you're camping, marshmallow, yeah, makes sense. Exactly. And I think that's what will allow them to dominate the whole market as opposed to closing themselves off when they bring in these different flavor profiles. Like they can bring in, if they bring in the berries in the right season, you almost get the spring feel to the stout so as opposed to when they bring in the coffee and the chocolate the dark chocolates you get like the winter feel so they can definitely spin it um so yeah i'm definitely moving towards it as a all year round but it's definitely an end of night drink yeah 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 one thousand percent no i yeah i completely I completely agree with you, Dom. That I do think when you think about stouts, you associate them with with the winter and uh, like the you know it's it's the traditional ones. The kind of flavorings you'll get from them is yeah, like uh, roasted coffee, almost sometimes some chocolate. They're normally obviously very heavy. Um, they're like nice. They make you feel warm inside. The sometimes you get a bit of alcohol burn on your throat. You know they warm you up a bit. But now with the adjuncts, stouts even moving. They're moving towards. Sometimes now, um, I won't have like anything for, for, for dessert or anything. I'll, I'll have a beer because that's what they're becoming. They're almost becoming dessert in a can, you know, some of the things. So I think when you think about it like that way, spring, summer, autumn, if you have got those stouts with you, marshmallow, chocolate, pecan, maple stouts, you might have them as a dessert. So I, I think definitely think they're becoming more of an all-round drink, but definitely with the adjuncts. And actually, when you you think you, you, know, you talk about having it a dessert somewhere that it goes to the extreme, there would be Omnipolo and their um, mud cake stouts. Those soft serve. Oh. I haven't wow. had the soft serve, but okay. I've had the. I think it's the pecan mud pie or just the mud pie. Yeah, and that is genuinely phenomenal. I had it very drunk in Paris. And then I had it again when I could remember it. And yeah, it was, it's a fantastic bit. Omnipolo were just so good. Like we, we've talked a lot about adjuncty stouts and we've said how it is just 
throwing things uh, at a beer, but they are still very good at it. Like yeah. you still know if you get an adjunct heavy stout from Omnipolo, it's going to be phenomenal. Mm. So yeah, I've, I've had that okay. pecan mud cake stout with soft serve on top. And it, it was until some of the soft serve melted at the end and it got a bit watered down. It, it was unlike anything I've ever had in beer. Um, and I, the description I've got up here is when I was 12, I dreamed of becoming a pastry chef. Call this a creative outfit. That sums it up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yep, 1000%. I remember the first time I had Yellow Belly, uh, which is the Omnipolo Buxton Brewery collab. I had it in Brewdog Soho. Shout out to them. Um, and I remember when it was poured, uh, I looked at it and then I smelt it. And when mm-hmm. I smelt it, it just smelt, it didn't smell like a beer. It's just smelt so much chocolate hit me on the nose. And I was like, wow. And I got my dad to smell it, and he was like, I really didn't expect it to smell like that. And I tasted yeah. it, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and Yellow Belly was one of the first stouts where I kind of was like, wow, you know, how have you kind of made this? Um, so, yeah, Omnipolo, fantastic. Yeah, I, th- I think that whole, the whole collab series they did with Buxton, where they did all the ice cream um stouts and like i know they did the vanilla ice cream dipper and they did like the rocky road i uh rocky road stout sorry and they did a like the lemon meringue pie it was just taking all the desserts and making them into these different beers and every single one you'd just be like they've smashed it they would always find something amazing with it yeah you never thought you when you went on when you started drinking you know craft beers you never thought you would kind of drink a beer and say hang on a minute it actually tastes like ice cream yeah you know when i'm drinking this it, it smells like ice cream yeah. tastes like ice cream what's going on you know but honestly fantastic from what i'm gonna follow it's where it definitely does tread that water between um like food and beer it's like yeah just right in the middle you get all the flavor profiles it's where it's where it all comes together like all the flavor profiles but then also the brewing side and like the technicalities of that it's where they just come together in like this magic, magic. Just, they've, they've taken the lines out and they've not said what do you want to make they've said what do we want it to taste like oh. and it's probably going to be a beer uh, and they've gone from there. You know, they've not said we want to make something like you know, like one of this this kind of stout, or we want to do yeah, use this thing. It's this one I want to do. It's going to be nice. So I'm nearly at the end of my beer. Um, I see Dom and Matt. Or oh, Matt, you got a bit left, but Dom, you're nearly at the end. Thoughts on on the second beer of the night, Dom? Um, I've, I've enjoyed it, to be honest. Um, this is where the, I think the Nitro is a super interesting touch because it definitely makes it more rounded. Like it, it definitely adds to the flavor of it. I had the Nitro Jet Black Heart the other day that was from the Another Asian beer Box. by Brewdog. Another beer by Brewdog, yeah. yeah. But it, it was definitely better. The Nitro in the can was definitely better than just the regular Jet Black Heart bottle. So it definitely adds to the flavor of it, adds to the mouthfeel. Um, this has loads of coffee, and yeah, I'm, I've I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I'm at the bottom of it now, and I would definitely drink it again. So I think that's about as good as a review for a brewdog beer can get. Yeah, Matt, obviously king of woodlands, king of the taste buds. 
definitely king of the taste buds. Uh, like I said before, when you smell it, you just get that like really nice marzipan smell uh, and you can kind of smell the nuttiness uh, when you taste it. Again, loads of marzipan, uh, loads of pistachio and then kind of on the aftertaste, you get that honeycomb kind of sweetness. It, it's 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 honestly it's it's delicious it's it's thick um it's lovely you wouldn't guess it was 12 percent uh it's going down very well um almost too well uh, at the beginning i had a had a had a slight alcohol burn but that's gone away and it's it's actually drinking pretty smooth it's 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 really good so well done and curtis they say some beers can take you to the moon does this one take you to mars uh <laughs> Well, it certainly takes me to some generic brand names, Caramel Chocolate Bar. I mean, I don't think anything I say can top the link you've just given me there. But this is a bit of a cracker. I I was a bit unsure on the concept. I, I picked it up and bought it because of the concept, so that they won me over there. But I, I didn't know if I was going to love it or not. I, I think you could have called it a Caramel Stout, and I'd have said, yeah, fantastic. I think calling it a, or not calling it a mars bar deep fried mars bar but it being a deep fried mars bar i do pick up that mars bar mouth feel which is really impressive they've got out six and a half percent they've really used each each percent they've got there um as we went through and obviously we had some interesting conversation and i got a bit involved with that i did forget that it was meant to be deep fried mars bar and it was just sort of lovely smooth caramel some gooey goodness almost so yeah gooey goodness is is a way i describe it it's gone down far too easily um i could potentially go back if i had more of it I, i'd potentially pick up more of it but i think we've probably talked enough about stouts for this week uh we didn't even go into the world of nitro so that's maybe a room for more yeah i think really i talk about caves so i, I think stout come back Stouts is something we may have to revisit in a few episodes' time. It's always time for stout season somewhere. Uh, next week, we're going to be delving into the world of small beers, table beers, probably under 5%. Maybe you could just call it sessionable. Uh, so make sure you join us then. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. I've been James Curtis. I've been joined by Dom Lewis and Matt Waring. And uh, we are the three Vice of Men. See you next week. Cheers. Che- cheers, everyone.